it felt like something got ripped out of my life and I didn't get a say in it. And I remember when I got to the place where I was able to give myself the grace and the permission to feel. And I had to get to the place where it was okay to not be okay. And to be able to verbalize that, that was freeing to just not, you know, have to be strong all the time. You know, I'm used to being strong for everybody else, but I'm sorry. Can't be strong for you today because I ain't got it. You know, I'm not going to fake it. You know, the wave has come in like a tsunami. I'm overwhelmed emotionally. And um, while most people think that, hey, man, you're a year or so out and you should be over by now, you should have moved on. I haven't. And sometimes I still feel like I can't breathe. You're listening to It's Real Life Podcast. Real hope. Real love. Real Real life. life. We have returned to this riveting conversation, this deep and meaningful and substantive conversation on grief. Deborah, before the break, you were kind of talking about how you manage and how you um, experience the waves of grief. And you mentioned, uh, you know, that you were being mindful of when dates approached and understanding that, okay, you know, man, it feels like this cloud is descending upon me where is this coming from oh a birthday's coming up or father's day is coming or you know right so as you as you think about that even now how would you reflect on the process and where you are in that process now now that daddy's gone um and it's been like i said a year in march i'm still in a part of that process the veil isn't as weighty, but there's still, I'll say, vestiges of that weight still with me. Yeah. And I have to be honest with myself. As much as I want to be happy and jump around and, you know, all of that, I, I don't feel that all the time. And I was, I'm really proud of myself because I took a year and didn't do anything but the necessities of going to work, doing what I needed to do. I had to do at church. I took very few speaking engagements. I didn't do any retreats. I didn't plan anything because I wanted to give myself time to grieve. Wow. And now I have days where I feel more like myself. Mm. But then I have those other times that that weight is there. Yeah, I'll tell you, it, it, it's it's interesting. I can so resonate with every part of your story. Um, you do such a great job of um, bringing it to life in terms of the visuals of each step of each step of this process. And I, I was thinking, you know, as I was mentioning earlier, um, the the kind of double whammy that I felt, you know, just in that fatherhood space with my stepfather passing and that was, was a very traumatic experience. And then, you know, my coach, which kind of was a blow in the same area. And then just the climate, you know, where we have a number of folks, you know, we have African-American men who are being killed in various ways, um, unjustly, inhumanely. And it feels like 
um, feels like we can't breathe. And I, I remember just hearing that phrase and then here as it has resurged, uh, connected to another unfortunate uh, um, death and, you know, just reflecting on just the experience of grief and how sometimes it literally feels like you can't breathe. Yeah. You, know, you feel like it's pressing on you so heavily yeah. that it's hard to breathe. And, you know, I think you mentioned this earlier. And I remember when I got to the place where I was able to give myself the grace and the permission to feel. I mean, you, you mentioned earlier in your question to me about what is it like? How do men kind of process this thing? How do we walk through it? And I had to get to the place where it was okay to not be okay. Where I gave myself permission to not be okay. And to be able to verbalize that, that was freeing to just not, you know, have to be strong all the time and not have to be strong for everybody. And guess what? You know what? I have to realize and come to grips with the fact that I'm human and I feel and I'm hurting and I'm going to say it out loud. Yeah. Now I'm not, I'm not Superman. You know, I'm used to being strong for everybody else, but I'm sorry. Can't be strong for you today. Yeah. Cause I ain't got it. You know, I'm not going to fake it. I don't have the bandwidth or the capacity right now uh, because I'm not okay. It's a bad day. And uh, you know, the wave has come in like a tsunami yeah. And I'm overwhelmed emotionally. And um, while most people think that, hey, man, you're a year or so out and you should be over by now, you should have moved on. I haven't. And sometimes I still feel like I can't breathe. Sometimes I transport back and I feel the feelings all over again as if they're fresh. Or I, I'm triggered when I see some of these things happen and it brings back to me you know, the weight and the depth of the loss that I felt. It felt like something got ripped out of my life and I didn't get a say in it. I didn't get to prepare. And, and as, as, as sad and agonizing as the death of a loved one, say by some form of cancer, you know, their health to the point that they eventually pass, you know, I think that there is that the gift is that there's preparation. You get to prepare yourself. But it's when somebody suddenly passes, whether it's, you know, a car accident or some other thing that you did not expect. You know, the jerkiness of it, the yanking is is just uh, unbearable. Right. Um, in yeah. some ways. But you know what? I think that um, like with daddy, I think we started. um back and forth to the doctor late November end of February, early March, he was gone. Wow. And so I think the thing that was, I'll say comforting to a degree for me was that, you know, you talked about seeing somebody go through the stages of cancer. I didn't want to see him suffer. And it was a steep decline that I, I watched because my dad was, daddy was 89. And up until that point, he was doing everything for himself. He, he was still doing his manicuring, his nails, shaving mm. the whole nine. I mean, he was doing everything. And then to see him get to a place within that short period of time 
where he had difficulty walking. And just to see that transformation uh, happen right before my eyes in that short period of time. And I finally said, we were in hospice by then. And I finally said to God, I can't go back there and see my daddy like that. Like, I can't. Mm. And the next day he was gone. Wow. Because daddy was a quiet man. But he he laughed at everything. He always had his quiet little conversation, things to say about uh, everything that was happening in the world. He kept up with the news. That was his daily routine. Mm. And sports, I mean, tennis, golf, all of it. Yeah. He loved all of it. Yeah. Uh, that was my ride or die. You know, we took several road trips because he wouldn't fly. So I'm driving back and forth to Chicago, Jesus. And he would stay up the whole way wow. to make sure I was okay. Wow. You know, we took several trips to Mississippi, that eight-hour drive. And back to New Orleans. Bad, I mean, that was my ride or die. We, we were, we were, whenever my car was getting ready to go anywhere further than two hours, Daddy thought he should be in the passenger seat. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and so I have wow. all of those memories of the road trips. And I remember when my aunt came to the funeral and she stayed with me, I ended up driving her back home. And then I had that drive back by myself. And just the reflections of, uh, being with my dad on those rides, man. So I think there's, even during the, the time when you're experiencing the veil and the waves of grief, to remember those moments that you had, for me, remembering, you know, riding, taking those road trips with my dad, you know, my daddy, that was like everything. <laughs> and daddy would try, he would say different th- stuff to just get on my nerves because he knew I was going to respond. <laughs> and then, and that that's exactly what he would do. He would just start laughing once I responded. <laughs> I'm like, little old man, you're going to get hurt right. up in here, little old man. <laughs> <laughs> but that was our thing, you know, that, yeah. that was us, you know. So wow. I think that we cannot just focus on the grief and the emotion. Yes, we have to feel those things. We have to allow ourselves time in those spaces, but we still have to remember the the, the happy times, the things that are special uh, to us about those that we've lost, the things that make you laugh. So when you think about like, um, you know, you know, as we have kind of uh, moved through um, these experiences and kind of um, gotten to a place where we can start to remember things about them that made us smile without crying sometimes. And we cry less and we smile more. Um, what, what are the kinds of things that, we, that you would tell someone who is currently navigating the weight and the and the and the experience of grief, especially the kind of gravity, like what we're talking about when you have lost a loved one or a parent or a child. What 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 kinds of things would you share? I think the first thing that I would say to anybody is give yourself room 
to grieve. And even though that emotion may be delayed, don't fill up your time with so much stuff that you can't feel and you delay it even more. But give yourself some quiet moments. Mm -hmm. Even if you journal and use that time as reflection when the weight of the veil of grief is present. Right. But I think giving yourself room to experience it is is vital. Yeah, I, I would I would 100% agree. I think that space to just feel it and being courageous enough, you know, because some of us, I know for me, I just got busy. Mm-hmm. I dove in. I just got busy. I distracted myself with every project that I could say yes to. Um, but like you said, just taking the space and, and, and being brave and facing and, and dealing and feeling, you know, uh, what you feel. And allowing that to, because I, I was asking my mom at one point, you know, uh, you know, obviously she, you know, it was my stepfather, but it's her husband. Right. You know, how did, I was like, how did you, how did you get through that? She said exactly what you said. She said, I felt it. I just said, you know what? No, I'm going to take some time and I'm going to just go at it. I'm going to feel how I feel. I'm going to deal with it. I'm not going to run from it. I'm not going to get too busy. I'm yeah. not going to try to distract myself from it. And no, nah, I'm going to feel it. And that was so helpful for me. Yeah. I think you said something too, Chris, that is vital in this part process. And that is, it's okay to not be okay and to verbalize it. Yeah. You know, because sometimes people will want to make you to be in a different place than where you are. Yeah. You know, and then they, they want to spiritualize it. Yeah. Well, you know, they're in a better place. Yeah. Well, you know, you know, you're going to see them again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all that, that's true, but my daddy gone. Come on. So I ain't trying to hear all them scriptures no. and no, I, that ain't going to help me right now. No. No. Yeah. And so that that is something that's very important to be able to to say, hey, it's not a good day and be okay saying that. And and that's you're right. It, you know, no no further explanation. Right. <laughs> it's just not a good day. Mm-hmm. Look, I'm not okay. Yeah. And that's that's it. And I think I think you know I think that what's important too, and I'll just kind of uh, uh, throw this on top, is that men need to know that it's okay to not be okay. Mm-hmm. That that they need to, they need to take time to feel what they feel and not just, and and I would just even stretch it beyond grief, not just in the area of grief, feel how you feel in every area of your life, whatever your experiences are, like be able to appreciate and um, uh, receive the gift. You know, when you, when you're having a great day, feel how that feels. Yeah. Feel sadness, feel grief, feel mourning and just, you know, let the process be what it is. You know, and 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 be free, and and give yourself permission, give yourself the grace to be yeah. able to experience that. What it is, well, this has been such a substantive and meaningful conversation. Thank you so much for your transparency and your vulnerability. That 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 uh, it 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 means the world. Um, and it, I think it's going to be so helpful for anyone who's able to listen and likewise and same for you and i know it's kind of difficult for my uh mr macho <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, I'm trying to hold it down for the brothers, but you know, <laughs> we bleed too, right? Pull back those layers and allow us to see in, but I think there's great value in the yeah. this kind of um sharing and um transparency about things that we experience in life, in real life. Yeah. Thank you guys for, for listening. Uh, thank you for, for, for uh, being walking through this um, topic with us. And uh, we, we hope you got something out of it. And we look forward to, uh, to what we have coming next. Until next time. Until next time. Real hope. Real love. Real, Real life. life. <laughs>